to be here this morning. Uh, my job is to welcome people into the community and try to help them to connect so they experience God's life-giving presence amongst us, the people of God. Isn't that, isn't that a cool job? I think it is. We have been on a study of contemporary lessons from Old Testament characters. And last week, Denny talked about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was uh, trying to do God's will amidst lots of opposition. I wonder if you've ever encountered that. Uh, it's not abnormal. Today, we're going to look at Ruth. And Ruth is a woman who dared to put her hands completely in the life of the one true living God, the capital G God, the big God, as she turned away from her little gods and became part of the community. So we're going to look at that. I wonder if you've noticed that sometimes when uh, the going gets tough, the, co- the tough sometimes do what? They get going, but sometimes they go in the wrong direction. Have you noticed that? So when, when we face really tough times, that's when we actually find out what we're, what we're made of. For a while, I was actually a salesman, and uh, I was bringing my product around to different places, different offices, and one of the benefits that I was able to to offer was a gym membership with this insurance policy. So I went, met the manager, and I said, hey, can I put my propaganda out here and my my card with my smiling face on it? And he said, sure, that's fine. So he put it out in a little display, and it's a win for him because it's covered. It's a win for us. That's great. So I said, I'll see you in a week. Thanks so much came back a week later, and the guy was mad. He didn't even want to see me. And I'm like, well, what happened? You know? And he goes, well, that lady. Like, what lady? Well, she came in, threw your stuff in the garbage, and made a scene in front of all the people working out. I'm like, she did? Really? I'm so sorry. Now, if anybody who's been in sales, you, you, you know that there, there, it is not necessarily um, Pollyanna world, <laughs> right? It, it, it can be tough. Um, but the thing that was so surprising to me was this is a lady who is in my office. It's not the competition. It was a lady who was in my church that I invited to help us do stuff in the church. Here's the deal. When we find ourselves in desperate situations, a lot of times we will lose our moorings And we will go after the small G gods instead of the one true capital big G God. And that's what happened. And and listen, I don't want to vilify anybody because it could be me. I've done it. You see, something happens when we face tough times. People get desperate and they start doing crazy things. And as soon as people sense that something important Uh, to them may be at risk, you're going to find out what's really important to them, aren't you? When people have their comfort, it may be losing. Incidentally, this lady thought she was going to make a million (laughs) dollars. That's what sales directors promise, (laughs) and they seldom deliver it. I just got 10% of that. That would be awesome. I don't think I could make that either. But basically, somebody moved her cheese, and she was upset. And how do you respond when that happens to you? Very desperate people will sometimes lie. Very desperate people will steal. Very desperate people will sometimes malign the character of those closest to them or those they know. 
Very desperate people will even kill if the situations are bad enough. So my question for us today is, how do we respond when the going gets tough? (laughs) When the going gets tough, do we go in the right direction or do we go in the wrong one? This morning, we're going to talk about grief. We're going to talk about loss. And we're going to talk about trials and how faith changes our approach to all three of them. Hear this, and if you're, like, if you're one of those visual learners and you like to take notes, you can pull out the green sheet and you can write this in. Our faith won't protect us from trials, but our faith will protect us as we go through trials. Do, do you see the difference? Our faith will not protect us from trials, but it will protect us as we go through trials. Let's look at Ruth chapter 1, this wonderful jewel in the Old Testament in a very, very dark time. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Now, if Dave was still up here, he could play dun-dun-dun minor chord. In the country of Moab, what are you doing in the country of Moab? So he, his wife, and his two sons went to Moab. This verse is so packed with information here. We're going to spend a few minutes just to, just to look at it because you can't appreciate how wonderful Ruth is and what an example she is unless you can appreciate how dark and how desperate the times were. So let's look at this. First of all, it says, in the time of the judges. Now, judges is between Joshua after Joshua. Remember, they went into the promised land. Moses died. Joshua came. They went into the promised land. And then between Joshua and Samuel was this crazy time where people were kind of doing their own thing. As a matter of fact, the verse that describes it best is in the time of the judges, who knows it? In the time of the judges, what? You know, the earlier service was more awake. (laughs) In the time of the judges, there was no king, and everyone did as they saw fit in their own eyes. That's the time of the judges. No one was in charge. So to kind of get a grip on the, you know, grasp on this, if we did an experiment, imagine if we did this. I'm looking for teachers. I see one, okay? How would it be in an elementary classroom if you did an experiment where one day you didn't have a teacher there. That's what it was like. There was no one in charge. (laughs) And it was crazy. People forgot who their God was. Or maybe more accurately, they ignored who capital G God was. Because by the way, capital G God, the one we worship, is invisible. And sometimes the little G gods that draw us away from him seem like they're visible and they're right in front of us. So the second thing we notice is in this very, very dark time, there's a famine in the land. Now, I don't know how you are, but if I miss a meal, I'm looking at my wife, I get hangry. You know what hangry is? Hangry is when you're angry because you're hungry. I get hangry. And so 
what's happening here is in the darkest of times, there's a famine, so people are hangry and desperate. And then you have the irony here, a man from Bethlehem. Do you know what Bethlehem means literally? Bethlehem, the house of bread. (laughs) So this guy in the midst of the judges in the time of a famine from the house of bread decides to go on a journey to Moab. Dun, dun, dun. What are you doing in Moab? Now, a few weeks ago, Denny talked about Lot. And uh, frankly, there, there's how, the, how the Moabites came to be is through Lot's daughter. All right, this is where the rating in the service is, is not appropriate for this story. They took matters in their own hands and got their dad drunk to preserve their line. That's where the Moabites and the Amorites came from. Are you getting the picture? Small g gods say, take matters in your own hands because you got to do what you got to do. And that's what's going on here. In the land of small g's, they're sojourning. The land which is filled with fertility gods and rituals even involving human sacrifice. They would put their babies in the mouth of Chemesh and it would burn up. How horrible is that? Now, if, if some of this stuff sounds like Indiana Jones to you, and you sit there and you go, I cannot relate to that. Think of it this way. Eugene Peterson calls these fertility gods as sex and religion gods. That doesn't make sense to us. But put it in this context. They're money gods. Now, I grew up in New York. Pittsburgh's not too dissimilar, Right? People will do almost anything for money, right? They'll do unspeakable things to each other and to their families. Would they sacrifice their children? Yes, they would, because it's convenient. The sad truth is that small g gods have the motto, you got to do what you got to do. And they lure us in, and they lure us away from God. So this is where our story begins, in the land of small g gods. Uh, And if you'd like to write, first point is living in the land of small g gods. Let's continue on Ruth chapter 1, verse 2. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife is Naomi, and the names of the two sons were Malan and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah, they went into the country of Moab. Good job. Dun, dun, dun. So the story is off to a very dark start. And there's irony going on here. In the time of the judges, with the famine, a man from the house of bread named Elimelech. Eli Melech. You know what that means? God is my king, or God is king. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, stop for a second. God is your king, so what in the world are you doing going from Israel, the land of the capital G God, to Moab? We do it all the time though, don't we? We do it all the time. We wear the big C for Christian, but sometimes we get tempted to compromise. And so the name of the man was Elimelech, meaning God is king. And so in the land of small g gods, this capital G 
the man named after the capital G goes to Moab. This is bad, but it gets worse. Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left. Anybody ever feel lonely and all alone? She was left. Now, things are getting desperate. I don't know if you ever watched How It Should Have Ended. You ever, you ever seen a clip like that? You know, they're, they're really funny, like movies, like if the Lord of the Rings, they just took the ring and it flew by the owls and dropped it in, in the, there. It'd be over. We'd be done. You know, 10-minute movie. Okay, time to go. So, I, please tell me, as we read this, they're not staying in Moab. They're going back to Israel right away. No, not yet. Verse 4. These Mo, they, they, they took Moabite wives. Bad idea. They took Moabite wives. One was named Orpha, the other was named Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years. So they're really getting their roots down in Moab, just for fun. <laughs> Do you blame them? It's natural for us to want to find a wife and to be married, to put our roots down. But it's a bad idea. Unless you are wiser than Solomon, don't marry someone out of the faith. As a pastor, I can't do it. I can marry two Christians, two non-Christians, but, but not a mix. Because as beautiful as these women may be, you don't have anything in common if you're not both believers. Solomon was led astray. He, Kings, 1 Kings 11.4 says, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. They'll lead you astray. So when the small g gods beckon us and romance us that say, you know, you're lonely, so you need to have children, so do this. Well, our story continues when the bottom completely falls out. And, and friends, please remember, this is a true story. This is not some parable. It's a true story. Verse 5, both Malin and Chilion died. So the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Times are tough and times are desperate. They'd been in Moab for 10 years, and so now there's a dramatic change in the story. Naomi finally comes to her senses, and things change. This is where, if you're writing in, faithless Naomi hears that the faithful God, capital G God, has visited his people in Israel. 1.6 says, she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Capital G God is capable of providing for our every need. Amen. Now there's a problem going here. Anybody notice that like, when you start compromising, doing things, you, you, you kind of things get worse and worse and worse, and you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty hard to unscramble an egg? That's what's going on here. So now here's Naomi thinking, well, I'm a Jewess, so if I go back to Israel, I'll be accepted, but here's my two daughters-in-law. How do you think it would be if somebody came into the sanctuary here, or even into Butler, 
Uh, you know, I've been, I've been overseas, and here are my two daughters. Um, they're Muslims, and they're dressed in full Muslim garb. <laughs> How do you think they would be welcomed into the community? I, I think they would be, but I, I can guarantee you this, people would be talking. Hey, did you see Naomi? Oh my goodness, you know, and there's his daughters. There's her, there's her daughters, and her husband's dead, and her sons are dead, and whoa, look at that. And so she, she decides, you know, look, let's just cut our losses. You guys go back to your people and find husbands, and I'm going to go back to my people. And how she says it is this. You can feel it in her as you read this. Verse 13, my bitterness is much worse than yours because the Lord has sent me so much trouble. Let me ask a question. Do you think the Lord sent so much trouble? He certainly allowed it. Here's, here's an interesting thing. Whenever we decide, you know, I got this, God. I'm going to do it my way. I don't really think your way at this circumstance makes sense. You know what God's willing to do? He's willing to say, that's not my best for you, but I'll stand in the background. And if you want to go after that, you're free to do that. So when somebody says, why didn't God stop me from doing this? Because He cares. There's free will. It's not His best, but He allows it. And so Naomi says, my bitterness is much worse than yours. Before we're quick to judge Naomi, though, please remember, it is far easier to be complacent and just go with the flow. How many of you know that following capital G God requires some effort? You know, it doesn't mean just sitting there and, you know, letting life go by. It says, no, how am I supposed to handle this situation? And so she says, Ruth, Orpha, go home and I'm going to go home. But there's a problem here. Ruth demonstrates that somehow she saw something in her. She'd heard about this living God of Israel. And she clings to Naomi. And Naomi says, and this is the key verse for the whole passage. Ruth says to Naomi, I'm not going to leave you. For where you go, let's see if we got it. For where you go, your people will be my God, right? Uh, Your people will be my people, and your God will be, your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And so what Ruth is saying is, I'm cutting everything of Moab out of my life, and I'm coming with you, and you're not going to be able to stop me. And I'm not just doing it to be nice because you're my mother-in-law. I'm doing it until death does us part. Because it says, where you will be buried, I will be buried. Even after you're gone, I'm going to cling to your people and your God Somehow in the midst of the tragedy, Ruth saw something in Naomi. And that's an encouragement for us. Because how many of you have feel, feel like, you know, I don't do the greatest job always of representing the one true God. What a holy congregation we have. My both hands are up. But somehow the Lord works through us. And they smell that pleasing aroma of the king of the kings. 
Well, that brings us to the next point. The next point is, uh, first is, uh, if you want to write it in, Ruth's dogged determination to trust God. Dogged determination to trust God. That's someone who has turned away, or the theological word is repentance, and turned toward the living God. Second point is trials. Trials in the land of capital G, God. So the two of them went, this is verse 19, two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem, and when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? By the way, her name means pleasantness. And she says to them, don't call me Naomi, pleasantness. Call me Mara, which means bitterness. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, husband, two kids, and the Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? They returned to Bethlehem. Now, it's bad when you make a bad decision, right? It's not a good thing. And so coming back into the fold can be a really hard thing. It's much worse when you know everybody's whispering about you. Oh my gosh, there's Naomi. Look at, wow, and there's a dog. Oh my goodness, she's dark. Wow, oh, all this is going on. And it would be easier if you knew it was a sure thing. If I'm leaving my small G gods, because if I go back to Bethlehem, there is going to be bread there. There's going to be food there. But there's no guarantees. And so they're stepping out majorly in faith to follow the capital G God. They can't see how God's going to provide. They know the barley harvest is there. And so Ruth is just going to go out and glean in the fields, which means she's going to be walking forth, trying to pick up enough grain to eke out a living until they get resettled. And so as a gleaner, Ruth is is demonstrating something that please underline in your outlines. In trials, we need to have a long-term perspective. A long-term perspective. Because sometimes, when we have a short-term perspective, we say, God, I don't see you here, so I'm just going to go to this God. But if we have a long-term perspective, God will be faithful as we actively wait on Him. It has everything to do with the character of God. It has so little to do with us. Our part is to actively wait. What I mean by actively waiting is saying, you know, I'm not going to strive. That can be following a a workaholic, small g. But I'm going to do what I know to do next. I'm going to do the next thing I know to do. And then I'm going to wait on God's faithfulness. And that's exactly what Ruth did. And God blesses her. And God blesses people in their great sorrow when they take the long-term perspective. Ruth puts aside her fears. What kind of fears do you think Ruth is having? You know, if you're coming in from a foreign country joining the people of God, what are your fears? Will they accept me? Or am I going to be rejected? Are people going to mock me? Are people going to harm me? Foreign woman in a, in a new country like that? Danger. And this is what actively waiting means. It means we're putting aside the, the small g God of security. And we're saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. It's not too risky. I'm just going to do it. And so that brings us to the third point, which is 
Reward in the land of the capital G God. Reward in the land of capital G God. And this is what Boaz says to Ruth. Then Boaz says, now listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field they are reaping and go after them. Listen to this. Have I not charged the men, the young men, not to touch you? There is protection. And the character of Boaz represents the character of Christ. Seeing somebody coming from the outside coming in, watching her character, watching and noticing that she's clinging to the one true God, the capital G God, and blessing and protecting. I won't let the young man touch you. And when you're thirsty, really? When you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Picture coming into the Old South with two water fountains, the cool one and the dirty one. If you're colored, you go to the dirty one. If you're not, you get to go to the nice one. But how many of you realize and know there is neither Jew nor Gentile in the kingdom of God? There's neither male nor female. So all are welcome. All are welcome. So you can go ahead and drink uh, the good water that the servants have brought. And so her response is a posture of worship. She fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? That's our posture when we come into the, the house of God. It's our posture when we approach the big G God. Lord, I don't know why you want me. Uh, Personally, I know what goes through my head. I know what I'm capable of. And I'm amazed that God wants anything to do with me. Anybody with me on this? Why would you have favor on me? It's the character of the king who says, welcome home. We're so glad you're coming into my people. We're so glad that you're stepping out in faith. It's God's word to you today. God blesses Ruth and she finds favor and protection and provision from Boaz. Now, God, the capital G, uh, rewards those who actively wait on him as we trust him to do the very next thing in following him. Just to pause for a minute, If you noticed out there, it looks a little different in the lobby. Uh, Anybody notice that? Whoa, what happened? Who moved my cheese, right? That's not because we're just like moving the furniture around. It's because we want to be like Boaz. And some of the leaders uh, of front lines, the ushers and greeters, got together and said, you know, I, I think it might be good if we do the experiment and put that big thing up like that. One spot so people aren't going to the ministry center and back to the information center putting some chairs out there so people can sit and hang, making people feel welcomed. How do we be like Boaz at Community Alliance? Our role is to look, be looking out the parking lot and saying, bring them in, Lord. Bring them home. They're lost and hopeless. That's our role here. And that's why we do that. And I know it's ripe here because I know some of you people. And it's a pleasure. So just want to put that little aside in there because remember, somebody did that for you once upon a time. Back to Ruth. 
So Ruth is on her face in a posture of worship asking, why have I found favor in your eyes? It's the posture we have to have every day saying, God, why would you love someone like me and forgive me constantly when I waver and go after the little G-gods? Boaz's response is the words of the living God to each and every one of us today. Here his response says in verse 12, the Lord repay you for what you've done, actively waiting on him, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, capital G God, the God of Israel. Listen to this and let this sink deep in your soul. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Let that sink in your soul. We can find rest and peace in the capital G God. You've taken refuge in him. Without a doubt, Boaz is representing the character of Christ. He's described as what? Who knows? The kinsman redeemer, all right? Or the redeemer. The redeemer is someone who looks at us who have gone way south or have become like garbage and a redeemer buys us back. We have a car cruise here right? Three times a summer. You know what? Some of those cars have been redeemed. They've been bought back. They've been restored. That's what large G, capital G, does for us. Says, yeah, I know you're a little rusty and been places you shouldn't have been. Come on home. We'll take good care of you. Cling to me, even though you can't see me. And so the story wraps up as a redeemer. I'm not done yet. Don't get your hopes up. (laughs) The redeemer is someone who buys something back. And in Ruth chapter 4 verse 5, Boaz says to somebody else who is going to buy the field back, if you're going to buy the field back, if you're going to redeem the field, Ruth the Moabitess is going to become your wife. And the other redeemer who was closer says, I'm not doing that. But Boaz the Redeemer representing Christ, says that day when you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabitess, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance. Boaz makes it public that I am going to care for you. I'm going to welcome you. I'm not ashamed of you. And you're going to be my wife. And so they make it legal. Now, in case you're in the place where you're thinking, yeah, but God wouldn't want me. Look at the blessing that the elders of the community give found in Ruth 4.12. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar? You can look it up, Genesis 38. Tamar, she took matters in her own hands to perpetuate her line in a different way. You can look it up later. But if you don't think that God can invite you back into the fold because of who you are and what you've, been, what you've done, you're wrong. Born to Judah because of the offspring of the Lord will give this young woman. Their child's name, once they got married, is Obed, which means nothing to us, right? Who's Obed? Then his child is Jesse. Okay, getting closer. The father of King David. 
when you cling to the capital G God, you will leave a legacy behind. And so, the woman after God's own heart, the Moabitess, ends up becoming the grandmother of the one described in Scripture as the man after God's own heart. And no doubt, the song that Ruth is singing is what? As the baby is resting on Naomi's belly, they're singing a song. My God is so big. Do you know it? So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do for you. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. So what does it look like for us to trust the God of the capital G? I asked people on Facebook and got responses from many of you. Great responses. Sermon from Pam, actually, wherever she is. (laughs) Good sermon. And I heard from people like my pastor friend in Perth, Australia. He said, this is what it looked like for Ruth. I'm impressed with this God of yours and what I've seen in you. I'm so impressed that I'm giving up my identity and everything I've known in order to join my lot with you. There's no going back. Love what Sarah Gill says. It means leaving the past behind, cutting all ties, and stepping into a new future. Are you willing to step into a new future? That's what it means to dare to follow the large G God, the God of Israel, the living God. Nothing left to hold me back. It's a portrayal of love. But my favorite one, honestly, is from a lady who was in Celebrate Recovery. This lady was through so much unfortunate things, but she's just bloomed with with this depth that's amazing. So Annalie says, I think this is what she heard. I'm all alone, and I know your God takes misfits. That's us. Some of us are more polished misfits than others, but we're misfits. And the God of the universe delights in pouring his spirit in us and sending us out as his representatives. Today, we need to be turning to God, actively waiting on him, having a long-term perspective with the passion and desire to be like Boaz, welcoming everybody into the fold possible. Scripture to close things up is Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible. Say impossible. Impossible to please God. For whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and he does what? He rewards those who seek him. Bow your heads. wonder if some of you here are feeling like spiritual lightweights, spiritual failures. You're saying, you know, I've, I've been following those small g gods. If that's, if that's you and, and this message has hit you and you're saying, man, I, I, want, I want to follow the big g god. Raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Yeah. Amen. Maybe you're someone who's been stirred and he says, you know, I want to be like Boaz. Lord, would, would you enable these people, the ones that have drifted so far that they don't even think anybody would have them, 
let them see the bigness of our God, the largeness of the King who invites us to come home, the one who catches us and then cleans us. It says, you're my son, my daughter. And Lord, let us be patient, waiting expectantly for you to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Lord, bring healing and hope to this body so that we represent Boaz well to everybody we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen. On your insert, you'll see a large G. I thought maybe you could stick that somewhere we can look at it periodically so you can remember how great God is and not to go after the little G's like all of us are prone to do. Rise for the benediction. Receive this. God Almighty, Lord of the universe, the King of the universe, and the capital G God who loves his people and takes foreigners into the fold, would you pour out your blessing and your spirit on these people here, many of whom are misfits, that you delight to use the weak things of this world to confound the wise. Lord, would you fill us to overflowing with your spirit. Lord, bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his countenance fall upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, amen. Have a great week.